Finding a service solution that helps you keep customers happy can feel impossible. Just like trying to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at a networking event. HubSpot's all-new Service Hub can help, with the service solution part at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform, with an AI-powered help desk and chatbot to handle your frontline tickets, so you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Howdy, folks. It is Friday, March 24th. I'm Jacob Cohen here with my colleague, Drea Hudson, and you are listening to The Hustle Daily Show. Today, we're talking about Nike Air Max. It was a big week for Nike, a big week coming up for the Air Max brand with Air Max Day on Sunday. So we thought we'd take a look into the history, business, and cultural impact of Air Max. And I think we may both actually have Air Max shoes on right now, so that will be interesting too. But first, let's take a quick look at what else is going on in the world of business and tech. Let's get crack-lacking. Okay, first things first. Yesterday on this podcast, we discussed the big day TikTok CEO show Chu was gearing up for in D.C., a fun D.C. field tripper. Really turned out not to be so fun. Boy, was it a big day. Chu answered U.S. lawmakers' questions in a tense five-hour hearing throughout. Congress was extremely skeptical of Chu's promises and plans, while China even preempted the hearing by declaring firm opposition to a forced sale of the company. And all in all, I think it's safe to say the events of the day did little to calm the situation down and ease politicians' stance towards the company. Moving along, as the sun rises and sets, there's more news from ChatGPT creator OpenAI. The company announced support for plugins that can link ChatGPT to the web and other apps. In an announcement post, the company said it's almost like having other services like Instacart or Expedia be ChatGPT's eyes and ears. NVIDIA's Jim Fan had a good take on Twitter that puts this all into perspective, saying, if ChatGPT's debut was the iPhone event, today is the iOS App Store event. All right, what else? Apple will spend a billion dollars per year to produce feature films for theaters possibly including a spy thriller and a Napoleon biopic, according to Insiders and Bloomberg. Movie theater sucks were happy to hear it. Cinemark jumped as much as 10% on the news, while IMAX and AMC rose, but gave up some gains later in the day. Okay, Lindsay Lohan, Jake Paul, and Soldier Boy are... I'll wait a moment for you to think about what I'm about to say. <laughs> well, they're all among eight celebrities the SEC has charged with promoting crypto without disclosing they were being paid to do so. The SEC said that, with the exception of Soldier Boy, the stars have agreed to pay a penalty of more than $400,000. In other news, we love our pets, everyone knows that, and the proof is in the dog food. Petco reported 4.2% year-over-year revenue growth in Q4 to $1.6 billion and an additional 1 million or so net new customers in 2022. Also, yum, lab-grown chicken, said very few people probably ever, but soon maybe more. Because Eat Just, a startup that's raised $465 million, just received FDA approval for its cultivated chicken. And assuming the USDA approves... The meat will appear on the menu at a D.C. restaurant in the not-so-distant future. Also, some unfortunate news, tech consultancy Accenture, which had around 738,000 employees globally, said it plans to cut around 2.5% of its workforce or around 19,000 jobs as the global economic outlook has been tough on IT services spending. 
And lastly, Olive Garden is making that bread. The company grew sales 12.3% in its most recent quarter, and parent company Darden attributed the brand's continued strength to its focus on offering affordable luxury. All right, and with that, let's turn it over to our main discussion about Nike. It's a big week for Nike, a big week for Air Max, so thought we'd bring on a special guest to the show today, our great colleague, Drea, who manages media growth and distribution for podcasts, YouTube, and creators here at HubSpot Media, who I also believe is wearing a pair of Air Max right now, and who is, well, I don't know, what would you call yourself, a sneakerhead? Oh, man, Jake, I'm so <laughs> glad to be here. Um, you know, sneakerhead, I don't know if I've earned that term yet. I would call myself a sneaker enthusiast. I think that's probably okay. a, a little safer. And just for all of you out there listening, I'm currently taking offers to join seed lists. So I'm talking to you, New Balance, Nike, Puma, Reebok, Saucony, Asics, Adidas, and Skechers. Honestly, if you got some heat, send them my way, 6.5 men's. Okay, you heard it here first, 6.5 men's. It's <laughs> on the record. I was doing some research for the story. I came across a great joke that Drake actually said at some 50-year anniversary event for Nike last year. He said, Nike's so old at this point, starting to wear New Balance. How do you like that? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. You know, Teddy Santis has put out some pretty dope New Balances lately. So They you know. are, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Drea, this Sunday is Air Max Day. It's an annual celebration that's been happening for, what, a decade now? I'm, I'm not going to lie, though. This week was the first time I ever heard about it. Yeah. <laughs> so what do we have to know about this? Yeah, yeah. So you're totally right. This year does mark the ninth official Air Max Day. Uh, it's so crazy to think 2014 was almost 10 years ago. Holy sh**. Like, I guess yes. time is really just a man-made construct anyway. So, like, we won't talk about that. <laughs> but uh, I am super, super excited about this Sunday's Air Max Day. I, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, this is not a philosophy show, so we'll maybe do that another episode or a different podcast. <laughs> but yes, it is pretty crazy. But I've been seeing the words Air Max a lot this week, Air Max Day coming up. But just for some context, some other places I've been seeing this, Nike earnings dropped on Monday, third quarter revenues, $12.4 billion, up 14% year over year. Ooh. Exactly. <laughs> You're going to love this. CEO John Donahoe said something very poetic in his remarks. I thought it was a slam poetry event, not an earnings call. He said, <laughs> you may have heard us say before that running is the heart of Nike, basketball is the soul. And then he separately mentioned a product franchise that's a multi-billion dollar business in its own right, Air Max. And my first thought was he totally missed the opportunity to refer to Air Max as the lungs of Nike, right? A hundred percent. But he didn't have you, so not surprised. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Interestingly enough, Air Max is definitely the multi-billion dollar business within Nike. But I also kind of feel like Jordan brand has like a pretty significant mm -hmm. stake in that full Nike brand body. So pretty interesting and incredible to see that those earnings were so high. Like I was genuinely surprised based on like the previous earnings, but you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're, they're still doing their thing, which is great. Yeah. And another thing I thought you'd love was also this week, the same day, I believe, Foot Locker CEO, Mary Dillon, came into work in gold Air Max 97s to yeah. announce a new partnership between Foot Locker and Nike. I was reading Foot Locker, around 68% of their merchandise came from Nike in 2021. They're trying to reduce that, but still maintain a good relationship with Nike. Yeah, totally. No, that makes a lot of sense. And it's funny because I was just having a conversation about Foot Locker. Uh, I was reading in Fortune, they're closing down like 400 of their mall shops. 
that actually makes total sense to me though, because I think they're probably going to focus a little bit more on the boutique, mm-hmm. not to mention, you know, back in 2019, they made an investment of about a hundred million dollars in goat, which is like a sneaker reseller site. So I think that they're planning ahead. I think they've got their head in the game and they know what direction they need to go in to maintain relevancy and continue to build that growth for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm seeing Air Max. I'm seeing Nike everywhere this week. We got Air Max Day coming up. Yep. Can you help me set the scene a little bit, just a little more on what Air Max Day is? What does Nike do to make this day special and lucrative too? How are they activating customers? What do fans do to celebrate? What do you do to celebrate if you do? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Think of Air Max Day as like a global birthday party celebrating the birth of Tinker Hatfield's creation of the Air Max One, right? So back on March 26th in 1987, Tinker Hatfield introduced the Air Max One. As we know, the design of that sneaker was really to kind of emulate the Paris Pompidou Center and to kind of show that this design was from the inside out. It was one of the first shoes that had the bubble on the outside, which is always super dope and love to kind of see that type of inspiration. Air Max Day is a Nike holiday. It brings global fans together. We typically just talk all things sneakers, rock our favorite Air Max, and of course, talk that sneaker talk. Nike has always been a savage when it comes to breathing sneaker culture into life. So they're running pop-up events all over the world. I'm talking Shanghai, London, Brooklyn, you name it, they are out here. They've done everything from dropping oversized temporary sneaker box venues into cities. I'm talking like Imagine a sneaker box being dropped in the middle of Boston so big that you could have a thousand people in it shopping the latest drop. Like they're so innovative when it comes to their experientials. So, so dope. They've also made short films about the Air Max. I think they just dropped one before the one. They just dropped about five days ago, a short film on that, which is pretty cool. And they even used to give people the opportunity to kind of put their own spin on the shoes by using Nike ID, which is awesome. Every year, they do a drop, a few drops. I'm not going to lie. This year, I'm in it for the 86 Big Bubble. I do not have the original 86. So if I can get that 86 Air Bubble, I'd love that. (laughs) It's going to be hard to get it, though. The way that they release sneakers is they will release some to some retailers, right? So, like, if you know which retailers are releasing, you can definitely wait in line for those. If not, you can definitely try to hit on the sneakers app. But if there's anybody out there listening like me, I've never hit on the sneakers app. Like, no shade to Nike, but, like, I have tried every single time and I've never, ever hit. So I I might try again this year. I might try. Very cool. Very cool. So... Drea, by the way, is our in-house kind of pop-up event expert. So when she says that something that a brand does a good job activating customers, doing really cool pop-up events, you better believe it is true. But yeah, the history of Air Max, it's really fascinating to me. And I want to just dive into it a bit deeper. And it's a long history. You mentioned the Air Max once. It even goes back further about a decade, 1977, you have this NASA aerospace engineer, Frank Rudy, trying to build inflatable inserts for his wife's ski boots. So innovative. <laughs> so innovative. <laughs> and a nice husband. And he realizes, oh, maybe this could work for sneakers, too. He brings them to Nike CEO Phil Knight, who sticks them in some sneakers, goes for a six-mile run. Long story short, they end up with the deal. Signed, sealed, delivered, 10 to 20 cents a pair. Go to Rudy. Not bad. And then you had the Air Tailwind as 1979, really the first shoe that they used the gas-filled pouch in, successful with runners. But, you know, the coolest part of the shoe, the airbag, can't even see it. That's right. 
was hidden. Can't see it. Yeah. To the naked eye, there's no difference between that and a shoe from Adidas. So you have that. And then, like you said, Tinker Hatfield comes in, sees the Pompidou Center in France, uses it as inspiration. All of its inner workings, its pipe, electrical, air ducts, all exposed, very artsy, good for Instagram. And in 1987, Air Max One is released. You could see the air unit cut out in the heel. Rest is history. Bada bing, bada boom. Totally. Totally. So crazy. I mean, can we just go back to that part where he paid Rudy 10 to 20 cents per pair? Like, how can we get back to that? That's the real question here. Like, I'm down to pay for that, for sure. I know. We got to think of our own kind of sneaker innovation that we got to bring to Phil Knight's desk. Totally. If anyone has any ideas listening to this, let us know. We won't steal them. We'll be happy to work as partners. Absolutely. I actually just bought Shoe Dog, latest book that I bought. I'm only like in the first chapter kind of reading about how Phil Knight would like wake up really, really early and like go on these like really long runs in the dark. Mm -hmm. Super, super inspirational. That would not be me, but really cool to kind of hear (laughs) the background of uh, where, where Phil Knight Knight's head was at back in the day. That's very good. I love that. That would not be me. Yes. <laughs> a lot of these inspirational stories. Wow, that's amazing. Would never be me, but that's no, amazing. Definitely not. <laughs> well, I think another interesting aspect of this whole story is the business impact that Air Max has on Nike. Like I mentioned in the earnings call, it's a multi-billion dollar business growing double digits, they said. They've never really gone into more detail than that. I think one interesting place that I was able to get more interesting details about Air Max and their sales has been StockX. You know, I'm sure you're quite familiar with it. But for those who don't know, it's a major sneaker reselling platform. It hit 40 million lifetime trades in 2022. So it's really quite popular. And over the years, they've put out some interesting data on Air Max shoes on their platform. So between 2016 and 2020, the percentage of dollars spent on all sneakers on StockX that went to Air Max rose by 800%. So strong growth on the platform. Crazy. Crazy. And between 2019 and 2020, the average Air Max shoe on StockX across all styles appreciated by 28% in value. So not investment advice, but... (laughs) Air Max is beating inflation. So (laughs) you want to know where to put your money? Maybe it should be in Air Max sneakers. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Jacob, it's really interesting that you, you bring that up because when we talk about asset classes, a lot of times people don't think of sneakers as asset classes, but there's an entire world out there where, you know, you do have these collectors and you do have people that are able to get these sneakers and hold them until they do become extremely lucrative. So obviously we're talking about Air Max day to day, but when you look at other sneakers, such as, you know, some of the Jordan ones, even like the Jordan Dior's, you know, those are going for over $10,000. If you look at the original Red Lobster, I think the lowest ask on those right now are like $65,000 on StockX, something along those lines. But people have made full careers off of being able to buy and sell sneakers. So they're a true, true asset class. And I think StockX is definitely one of those places that's kind of democratizing, if you will, the way that we kind of buy and sell sneakers. I mean, of course, they've got their fees built in and, you know, you are going to pay a lot more than you would pay retail if you are using StockX, but it's it's just one of those things. Pretty interesting though. It's definitely an asset class that I'm investing in without a doubt. Yeah. And it is interesting. I've seen some data, obviously, I think maybe the second half of the teens and early pandemic, it really boomed as an asset class. I saw some recent data saying it maybe slowed down a bit, still is very large and growing overall. 
Google search data has shown that relative search interest in Air Max sneakers as a Google search is past its peak, which kind of peaked a few years back. You know, the CEO made a point also in earnings to say they're now focusing on making new Air Max styles for Gen Z. And my question, I think, for you is, has the Air Max bubble popped? Are they seeing some slowdown uh, or is it sturdier than ever? And is the future really bright? What are you thinking about this? Yeah, I mean, that that's such a good question. You know, I think the Air Max bubble isn't like any other bubble, right? Like it's different than other mm-hmm. industries that are driven by macroeconomic factors, like say the housing bubble, which that's an entirely different episode, maybe <laughs> next week. The Air Max bubble is really driven by the culture, right? So the culture is always evolving and there's also a sense of nostalgia in the scent of a new pair of sneakers, Air Max or not. So, you know, if you're a sneaker sniffer like me, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> People are blocking their calendars at work right now to try to hit on the sneakers app release for Air Max Day. I'm not saying I'm one of them. I'm just saying. And so I can't exactly say that that Air Max bubble has popped. You know, when you're thinking about trying to make a shoe for a certain generation, it seems like a pretty tall order. Are you Gen Z? Like, would you call yourself I'm Gen, Gen Z, Z for sure? Yeah. All right, cool. So it's like, how can someone generalize an entire generation and assume that Gen Z will conform to a specific style? Mm-hmm. Just because a brand is saying that it should, it doesn't mean that the generation is actually going to. You know, I'm the oldest right. of five, so I'm a full millennial out here, but all my siblings are Gen Z and they're the opposite of conformity. They're focused on mm. individualism and they're betting against the expectation that they'll do what brands and companies assume. They're the new version of rebellion. So I don't know. I mean, it's interesting that Nike's deciding to kind of make a silhouette for a generation because unless they've consulted with the generation, which I'm sure they've done some research, <laughs> yeah. to be honest, the pulse is a pass for me. Definitely not my favorite silhouette, maybe because I'm not Gen Z. <laughs> but as a Gen Zer, Jacob, like what's your take on the pulse? Like, is it a buy for you? Is it a pass for you? What's the vibe? Listen, I'm not a sneaker expert. Right. I'll be the first to say it. But uh, I think it's a pass for me, mostly because when I look at Air Max sneakers, and I actually think this is one of the great aspects of the franchise at large, I'm looking at the ones that you can just go to the store, go online and easily buy, mostly for athletic purposes. The reason I think that's so great and why Nike's been so successful here is they've built the Air Max brand into so many styles and price points serve such a wide population, everyone from people like me who just want a good sneaker to run around in to people who want it, you know, as a statement, as a piece of art. And I think that's really cool. A hundred percent. Like I, I totally get you there. And I think that it is important, right, to like have something mass marketable and have something that is affordable kind of across the spectrum. I think that hasn't always been the case. And so the fact that that does exist within this category of Nike is pretty awesome. For me, I'm definitely more of an Air Max Jordan 1, Jordan 4 lover, mm. maybe because like they remind me a lot of the sneakers I wore back when I was growing up or the ones that I wanted when I was growing up. But I'm literally surrounded by sneakers right now. Like, it's definitely time for me to get a bigger house. I can't, (laughs) I've got to expand here. Like, I don't have enough space. But as I mentioned, as long as Nike continues to consult their consumers on what they love and what they don't, I think they'll continue to report those record profits. Some of the supply chain issues are out of their control. Some of the purchasing habits are also out of their control. But if there's one thing I do know about sneakerheads, it's that they'll do whatever it takes to get that grail. And I think Nike knows that too. Yeah. All right. Well, to end off, I want to know, End of the day, what is so special about Air Max for you? 
Yeah, for sure. So to be honest, for me, I think it comes back to that original thinking that Tinker had when he designed the Air Max One. Like the fact that he was able to take that inspiration from the inside out aesthetic of the Pompidou Center to create a shoe to show its inner workings like that was really, really cool to me. Like, I feel like there aren't many sneakers that have inspiration like of that level where you see something like that and you're like, okay, I want to produce that. I want to make that tangible. I want to show what the inside looks like on the outside. The thought process behind that is definitely one of my favorite things. And if you're cool with it, I also have a couple of fun facts about the sneakers that I'm wearing today, the far outs. I would love to to share that with you. Yeah. All right, so... Let me uh, share with you a couple fun facts about the kicks that I'm wearing right now. So I'm rocking the Aramax One Far Outs. They were actually released last year. They're definitely one of my favorite releases in the past year. I actually hit up one of my really good friends who did the packaging for these. And these are some of the fun facts from him. So no two pair are alike. All of the denims used on the sneaker are different. So that was a really big thing that was glossed over in all of the descriptions online. All the materials used on the far outs were inspired by Jimi Hendrix's attire. And the symbols on the toe box were inspired by the symbols on the OG Woodstock tickets. He also told me that the original Dr. Aeronymus, who painted the Volkswagen light bus, inspired the packaging, loved it. So naturally, he has a pair, too. He has got to be the flyest 90-year-old out there, I'm sure. <laughs> if you look closely at the packaging above the concept's license plate, you'll see the name Aeronymus replaced with Osronymus, and Oz is a fool for that one on the packaging. No one even knew that it was there until it was printed. Like, he's crazy. <laughs> now, the packaging is as meticulous as a sneaker. The Far Out is all about that 60s summer of love energy. And even though I wasn't around at that time, I'd say most of the time my energy matches that vibe. Also, Dion Point went nuts on the sneakers. Even the lace options are psychedelic. I keep the velvet bright pink ones in mind at all times. So that's how I'm rocking them. There you go. You heard it here first. Awesome. All right, and bada bing, bada boom, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in to the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig. Our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter, which you can sign up for at thehustle.co slash email. Hope you have an amazing weekend. See you first thing Monday morning. Hey, everybody, I got a great podcast to tell you about. It's called Truth, Lies, and Work, and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. On this show, you can join husband and wife team Alan, Leanne, Elliot, as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. They actually just did an episode with John Smith, who is the manager and agent of famous Argentinian soccer player Diego Maradona. He talks about in this episode how he was able to manage the global superstar athlete celebrity that Maradona is and was. It's a great listen. You better get out there and check it out. And you can listen to Truth, Lies, and Work wherever you get your podcasts.